0: Good ideas are like red wine. They need time in the cellar for refinement. Here's where I keep mine. Welcome to 55 Degrees. One of the aspects I love about being a chef is the opportunity to develop relationships with local farmers and growers. It was far more rewarding to do business with a person that I knew personally than with a nameless, faceless corporation. Many of my farmers were family businesses, and I loved contributing to their economy that way. 100% of our chicken and eggs came from farms less than an hour away from the restaurant. At the peak of our demand, we took delivery of two whole hogs every three weeks, we would break them down in an afternoon, and that opening scene of the film, Chef, is entirely accurate, and we would do that every three weeks. Having, having an entire animal to work with was a luxury. We would cut these double-thick pork chops, and they became a signature item because they looked so fantastic on the plate. We'd cut down the shanks thick, braise them tender, and they were a great dish for two. We even took delivery of the head, split in two, and it became our hog's head feast. It was a definite crowd pleaser because no one had ever seen that. And I learned the presentation from my friend, Chef Paul Kulik at the Boiler Room in Omaha. Hey, it's a nice white tablecloth, fine dining setting, and I thought if if he can set a split hog's head on a platter on a white tablecloth, I think I can do it at my little place. There are three distinct muscles on the head. There's the cheek, the snout, and the jowl, and it was educational to show people the different meat textures. ...when they ordered that dish. Occasionally, when we had a surplus, we would just harvest the cheeks out, turn the heads into stock, and all the, that and all the rest of the bones became 10 gallons of stock every, every three weeks that we used to season other items. All the shoulder and the scrap became our sausage. And we made several over the years, but our standard favorites were sweet Italian smoked kielbasa, and a bratwurst made with eggs and cream. Those were our standards, and I never get tired of uh, making and eating sausage. I also made a blood pudding on St. Patrick's Day, and instead of using hogs blood, we just used the liver and black cocoa, and my friends from Ireland said uh, it passed their Uh, their standard and their test. Chicken and pork were the easiest proteins to source locally. And ironically, in the beef state, beef was the hardest for me to come by. One, the size of the animal required a large facility to process. We couldn't just do it in our little kitchen. And the market was oriented toward factory-scale production, not a little guy like me. Eventually, we were able to work with a local meat distributor to obtain a consistent supply of high-quality beef from Nebraska ranchers. When one Nebraska rancher found out that we did not want his steaks, we just wanted the ends, he was glad to supply us the short ribs, the chucks, and the flats while he took the ribeyes, porterhouse, and the New Yorks for himself. In the early 2000s, locally sourcing food was difficult to come by. There were very few chefs like me who wanted a steady supply of local food. And this was happening in the large urban areas and cities around the country, but it wasn't happening in Nebraska. Which I found ironic that this lack of demand existed in an agricultural state like ours. I always wondered why we weren't leading the way, but that's another subject for another time. Farmers were also reluctant to sell wholesale to guys like me because they would make a higher profit at the farmer's market or their CSA. But if there was a rain that week, they couldn't get out to the market. Or if they had a hailstone and, and, and uh, had crop damage, that left them in a pickle. And one guy realized that in the long run, it was more profitable to do work with a chef when he added up that I was doing about a $1,000 worth of business with him every month. And he liked that predictability and started giving me first priority. I watched the industry change in 10 years. I started out, I was looking for the farmer going out to their, their field and their farm. But by the end, they were seeking me out because Public demand had increased and therefore supply was being made available. And it was this principle that eventually led to our closing. It was just simple economics. The public was no longer demanding what we were supplying. The environment in our neighborhood had changed. The opening of the new sports and entertainment arena two blocks from our front door caused an immediate shift in demand. Folks no longer came downtown for fear of running into traffic of an event. But even an event did not guarantee a crowd. The opening night of Garth Brooks' five-concert run in October of 2017, we had eight guests. And that was the writing on the wall, and we closed two months later. And I can't be angry or lay blame at the circumstances. Who would have predicted COVID-19? That is causing all these businesses to close. Who do you blame for that? Circumstances are beyond our control. And look what the internet has done to change the way that business is done. The mall is declining. Bookstores can't can't compete. Retail just won't ever look the same. And I must be ready to adapt. Because complaining won't get me anywhere. It's just a waste of energy. And if I choose to direct it positively, I'll be creative and productive again. Whatever challenges you are facing, I hope you can turn it into a positive. Because circumstances don't have to define us. Resourcefulness and creativity does. So make today count. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.